all those things and so much more Just grab a seat in the chair or the floor Sit back, relax, recline While she drops another casual line You're tuned in to Casually Molly With Molly and Bergie Welcome back to the Casually Molly podcast. I am your host, Molly Ambergie. Um, I am a comedian playwright based right here in St. Louis, Missouri. And I am so lucky that I get to interview different comedians, entertainers, artists, you name it, um, every couple of weeks or so. And I'm very happy all the way from Nashville, Tennessee. We are very excited to introduce our ordinary dream girl. Give it up for Emily Blackbird, everybody. And the crowd goes wild. Yeah. Thank you guys. Oh, you're too much. Oh, calm down. Calm down. (laughs) Right. Well, I, uh, Emily, it's very nice to meet you. I know we kind of talked a little bit during our technical, you know, figuring everything out before we start the podcast, before we get into the biz portion. Uh, But I'm very excited to have you. You are a country artist. You have an amazing song. Everybody should check it out. It is called Ordinary Dream Girl. You can get it on Apple Podcasts. I listened to it on Spotify. Uh, I had it on repeat today just because I want to embrace the whole message for it. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about Ordinary Dream Girl and what inspired you to produce and write this song? Yeah, so Ordinary Dream Girl is, you know, is the girl that I've always been. And I think coming from coming from being somebody with really big dreams and aspirations in the music industry, that wasn't something that people in the community that I grew up in did, not professionally. It was actually something that was kind of like looked down upon. Like if you were successful as a musician, then you're a sellout, you know? But for me, I'm like, but shouldn't musicians get paid? (laughs) Yeah. I've always had these dreams and aspirations for years. And I feel like it's sort of kind of a cunning way of just saying, you know, oh, don't mind me. I'm just an ordinary dream girl in the same way that Maya Angelou is, you know, she has this uh, poem called Still I Rise, where it's sort of, it's my favorite poem. I was just uh, thinking about her today, but it's sort of ironic. Like, does my sassiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise? Because I laugh like I've got gold mines, you know, that kind of thing. It's sort of like a female empowerment song through and through, you know, just, you know, because I feel like, you know, even now there are some differences that I've seen in different work environments where there are certain expectations of how, women can behave or how they're perceived and it's just like saying i'm gonna do me don't mind me i'm just gonna keep doing it no matter what you know (laughs) (laughs) oh i love that that's exactly why i was like i've got to have this girl on because you embrace that message you like basically even the press release i'm looking at right now edgy and authentic that's very much you that's very much what you carry and i oh trust me i love it uh was this always were you always very authentic just growing up why don't you tell us a little bit about your upbringing and how you got into country music yeah well growing up um i grew up in a household that my dad played anything from country music to Peter, Paul, and Mary, you know, folk music. And um, in my community, teenage community, it was very much hip hop and punk rock through and through, but I had this like secret love for country. And so this may be kind of a marriage of like the country and the punk rock kind of side that I grew up idolizing. And I always hid that country side just kept it in my room because like it wasn't cool where I <laughs> right. grew up 
years later, I was like, why have I been suppressing this side of myself? Like, I'm totally a country singer. You know, You're Still the One was the first song that I sang on a karaoke machine that my dad bought for me. Yes. I love that song. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Very cool. Very cool. And so when was the moment, you know, I know you said you kind of kept it to yourself. It's also funny. I had You're Still the One on repeat today as well, too. Ah. Uh, So it's like very like universe colliding. We're having you on. I'm listening to your song. I'm listening yeah. to some Shania. Um, when was the moment when you decided that you wanted to make music your career? Um, honestly, I've always known when I was three years old, before I could really talk and string sentences together, I would hum melodies, bathtub. And what I now recognize is a chorus. I would hum a part that was like the same and then I'd make different parts that were like the verse and I would like just string them together with sounds. Like I couldn't say words would be like, and then I would like repeat it. So I have sacrificed a normal, comfortable life for myself for years. I mean, officially officially I've been pursuing this 20 years um, and there's a lot of, sacrifice you know i don't have creature comforts i don't have certain security blankets like other people because i just put everything on the line for my artistry absolutely no i think that people sometimes don't realize like how much um these loves and these passions do take up a lot of your life uh, but you seem to be succeeding and doing quite well uh which speaking you. of oh you're very welcome like i said that's why i was so excited to talk to you uh there was a quote that came from your press release that you said for your song and being an up-and-coming artist so that's why i thought about this quote i wanted to tell my story in the most authentic and honest way i could it didn't feel real being in Nashville and getting the chance to work with the team. It was a dream come true. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about that when you got to Nashville, now you're working with the team, you're producing work. How has this transition uh, affected your career? It looks like it's been a very positive light for you. It has. Um, you know, it was amazing because um, the people that I idolized artists I'm now working with their producer like Dolly Parton's you know music director etc is my producer and um a figure uh, out here named Mark Needham he's in the music business and he worked on my album as well I mean he's worked with Imagine Dragons the Killers pretty sure he's worked with like Pink and Shakira and like it was just such a beautiful thing to be able to come out and make this album that isn't even out yet but I know what it's about and I'm going to fight to make sure that it gets put out in a way that people can hear it. I was realizing this week that I think people need to hear this album because it healed me writing it. And I think that it did not hold back at all. Um, this album was therapy for me and in some ways helped me kind of survive a a difficult time. And I would love for this to have the same effect on other people. Wow. That was really beautiful. Oh my gosh. I say that like, I'm so surprised. Like I shouldn't know that you were going (laughs) to say something. Um, what I love about when you're telling your uh, story about your album and having it come out and how it's healing to you, 
uh, it kind of related to the poet poetic aspect how you were like oh yeah. you know i'm reading poetry and it relates to me um yeah. was that kind of when you're writing a song and you're producing something does that poetry this is just something i was thinking about as you're talking um does that poetry aspect come out for you do you feel like your style would be in a poetic style what would you describe that um yes style for you? so there's two different ways that i write one is specific and one is abstract. And when I'm doing abstract writing, it's basically a melody kind of channel and a flow that I string in thought and it maybe not, not be something that you would read and understand automatically, but Ordinary Dream Girl was something that I wrote on my own with that kind of abstract train of thought. But if you look at it, everything weaves together and you know, feel it coming and we're running and there's no way out. That was basically saying, I feel something happening, so I'm going to chase it and I'm not going to, you know, there's no way out from here. Um, so all of those things, people can probably interpret it differently, but obviously it has its own meaning to me. So. Oh, yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of people, what's beautiful about country music, actually, and especially for the music that you're putting out there, um, What's, it's just a great way to be able to still relate. Even if somebody isn't a music artist, they can still relate to being, I mean, like I said, I'm not a music artist, I'm a comedian. So I can still relate to uh -huh. being an ordinary dream girl, having yeah. these aspirations, going through that struggle. Um, what I'll ask you, you know, you're in Nashville. Are you collaborating with, I know you said you're collaborating with a team. Um, yeah. Do you collaborate with other female artists in your industry as well? Yeah, so recently, um... I wrote with Kirsty Mana for the album uh, and Bridget Tatum for the album. Uh, those are two really strong female writers I've written and they're kind of written with and they're kind of OGs out here. So um, that was really great because they also felt like I was learning. Like when I was writing with them, I very much step back and like watch how they work. So those two women are two that I'm really pleased to have written with lately. Absolutely. Um, and then what I'll ask you as well is, you know, what I like about yours is there's just something and I can't put into words, which I think is also, I, and I, you know, I'm not as poetic as you, but I, I love seeing that you have this authenticity to your work. Um, how would you describe that kind of like staying true to yourself in the music industry when sometimes when you're in the entertainment industry, sometimes people kind of want to put you in a mold, like you're an artist, but we want you to do this or like you're a performer, but we want, we, you know, you want, we want you to do this. So how do you stay true to your authentic, you know, persona and personality uh, throughout this industry? I think it's taken years of trial and error and failure at being authentic. Mm -hmm. And what happens is when you fail to be authentic is it doesn't take. Um, because people can kind of sense that I think artists who are successful, you kind of notice that they have that authenticity. So I've been pursuing music for a while. I've worked with different producers and I've definitely been in rooms where it's been like, oh, this is like stuff I haven't told other people. I'm just telling you. Uh, because you asked and I want to tell you, uh, we want you to sing like this. Can you write a song like this? Of course, being young and impressionable, I'm like, sure, if that's going to get me where I need to go, absolutely. However, uh, probably wasn't authentic. And so I can't be consistent if it's not authentic. If you're authentic, you are naturally consistent. But 
some people find that younger, older. I feel like we're all trying to find our authenticity, but mine has honestly been through trial, error, failing, 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 pain, struggle. And eventually when you peel all those layers off, you are left with yourself. And like, that's what I'm bringing right now. It, I have nothing. I literally have nothing else. This is just me. <laughs> so. I love it. Remember, I, that's what I said. I was like, I really like your outfit. Like, you look so cute. And Emily's so <laughs> humble. She goes, oh, you know, just what I usually wear. I'm like, oh, I mean, I wish that was my usual look. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm surprised I brush on my hair sometimes on certain days. But um, I... Oh yeah. No, it's, but it's good to talk with somebody who, I mean, that's really great of you to admit about talking about trial and error. Cause I feel like, again, I mean, I know a lot of we have different people who listen to this podcast in different fields, but in the entertainment industry, uh, there's a lot of trial and error and finding your voice and becoming who you yeah. are. And, yeah. um, that's what I wanted to ask you is, you know, when was, did you have a certain like performance where, it kind of all came together for you and you were like, this is who I am. This is the, what I'm portraying for everybody right now. Was there a specific moment, excuse me, and time that you felt that? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I was on stage with a band playing a venue. It's a small venue called Bowery Vault here in Nashville. It's more of a listening room, but I brought the whole band in and we did a whole country punk rock performance, if you will. And I just kind of, found the synergy between the character who I had been and the character who it's evolved to be. And um, I found Emily Blackbird, essentially, who, you know, she has different moods and she explores different spaces, but she's extremely real and she's very unafraid and unapologetic, if you will. Uh, and that's something that happened at this small little venue and a few people were there and some people that were there often refer to that performance and I was like, I wish, you know, my managers were there, other people were there to come <laughs> see, like, but you know, it's like, that's okay, you know, we caught some on tape, of course, but that was a really special moment and I think that, you know, subtext is, uh, that's why performing these smaller venues is so wonderful and I'm sure you understand as a comedian, like, you know, you don't have to jump on stage in front of a lot of people to discover yourself. Sometimes you discover yourself best in front of a couple of people because there's more pressure because you have to entertain two people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's the best too. And I, I love those kind of performances because even if it's just those two people, those two people are going to remember that moment that you had as well too. So yeah. that that's a really beautiful thing to share. There's so, I, I just had another comedian on who he was doing a show in Nashville and he was talking mm -hmm. about that. He's like, these small rooms in Nashville are my favorite because everybody's just together. We're experiencing yeah. this moment in real time. Um, you know, I, there was the quote to here to, you know, you were talking about, you know, to make yourself believe it. I needed to write a song about it. Um, ordinary dream girl is a song for everyone to remember that opportunities don't always come when you're comfortable, but you have to seize the day and rise to the occasion. So you've hit yeah. that on a lot of points. Um, was there a time to like during a performance or when you were writing where you were like, I need to rise up and seize this occasion of, you know, creating this album or performing my authentic self. Yeah. I mean, it is ordinary dream girl because that was the last song that was written for this. It wasn't planned. We didn't really need any more songs at that point. Oh, wow. Um, I was just sitting in my Airbnb and I think I got in a disagreement with like my boyfriend at a time or something. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and, <yeah. laughs> and actually, you know what it was? It wasn't that. 
the true story is there was a guy who was going to write with me and I'm going to be blunt. He kept asking if we could meet at night in person to write and like at a bar. And then when we finally scheduled the time on zoom, he like flaked and he kept being like, he kept flaking and then being like, can we meet out? And I'm like, nah, man. And so <laughs> I said, peace out. And then I was like, well, you know, screw it. Pardon me. If he's not gonna show up, I'm just gonna probably, I, I just picked up my guitar. And that's why there's that line, sweet talking man, you better, you may just want to stand back. That, that was for him. So what? not showing up. Oh yeah, yeah. right. Absolutely. <laughs> I did not realize that. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't talk about that a lot, but I feel like for some reason, this is a space where I can talk about it. So <laughs> oh, yeah, I love how you were just like, screw that. Oh, pardon me. I was like, that is the sweetest thing I've ever heard. Because <laughs> I'm always around comedians who are like, F this, F that. You know? And I'm just like, oh, what a sweetheart. I love this. But that is so, that's awesome. And it's especially, you're so tired of these sweet talkers. You're just like, listen, I got, I got work to do. I got, I got to rise to the occasion. I got things to say. So that is, that is awesome, yeah. Emily. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was really <laughs> amazing, actually. Um, I say actually not as a, you know, a destructive term. That's just awesome. Um, <laughs> I also, sorry, I'm just laughing now. Um, I love to, in this release, it says, as a self-described rhinestone rock and roll cowgirl, is rhinestone kind of like your, uh, your kind of like attitude for like, I know like people are like diamonds, a girl best friend, but I mean, I, I love rhinestones. I was on dance team. Is that kind of a big awesome. thing for you as well? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like rhinestones a lot. I have like a jacket that has rhinestones on it. Um, but it just seems like the most specific short and sweet way to describe my artistry. So yes, absolutely. I, I, I'm not to talk about, you know, fashion, but I think that's awesome too. Thanks. I'm like, okay, what there's I know rhinestone cowgirls. There's only like cowboys. Yeah. So that's why I kind of did that. <laughs> oh, I love that though. I just think, like I said, I haven't seen that in a long time. So I'm, I'm really happy to see it. Like again, authentic, something different. That's awesome. Um, I didn't realize though, you're from California. What part of California are you from? I'm from Northern California. Um, same mm -hmm. town as Credence Clearwater, actually. It's a small town Ooh. called El Cerrito. And um, there's a lot of musicians that come out of uh, El Cerrito. Actually, Green Day is from El Cerrante, which is just north of me a few minutes. Um, so there's a lot of musicians from there. Uh, there is a lot of, like, little um, house parties up there with people playing folk music and country music. It's just not something that is done in venues for some reason. Um, I'm not sure if there's just in the market for it or if we need to open up some more country venues. Maybe I'll open up a country venue there. <laughs> okay. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's super cool though. I That's kind of leads me to my next question then. Um, what's it been like? I know, you know, now that you're from the West coast, was there kind of a transition moving to the Midwest at all for you? Or did you, did you kind of just feel like, you know, I, I'm used to country and folklore. I can kind of fit right in here. <laughs> um, I think the only thing that was difficult was a great thing. I mean, it was like people were so nice and welcoming and the community in Nashville for musicians is literally like, oh, do you need that person's information? I can get you their phone number. Oh, um, do you need help with that? Well, let me connect you with my friend. And, you know, like 
I have been trying to get more involved with the community because I'm brand new. And as much as sometimes it's, it's hard to get a number, I feel like just showing up means everything to everyone. So like the second that you actually show up at a venue that you want to play at, things happen so much faster because it's such an authentic place. It's not like, oh, you're new here. We don't want to talk to you. It's like, oh, you came to the club and you want to talk and like, we'll listen to your music. Sure. And, you know, the process is extremely heartwarming, you know, like there's no shortage of really friendly people around to help each other out. So. Oh, that's so nice to hear. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that. You know, I, I mean, I've been, I'm from the Midwest and my mom's originally from the East coast, but yeah. you know, you always hear everybody always say that, that the Midwest is so welcoming and so nice. So that's, that's a lovely thing to hear that you had such a, an easy transition in a sense of yeah. being able friendly wise to, to meet people. Uh, and then speaking of Nashville, now that you have been there and you're getting to know people, what is something maybe about Nashville that most people who are aspiring musicians might not know about? Um, it is offline. I feel like Nashville, at least in my experience lately, as I've come to learn the industry more, is it's boots on the ground. It's not something you can call in. It's you show up and you get involved. And if you're not here, you're not in it. You can't Absolutely. phone in being a Nashville artist or in the Nashville industry. You have to actually be here, which is not the case for like pop music or LA. I feel like that's just kind of like wherever, whatever, phone it in, but it's not the case here. You got to show up, you got to do the thing. Absolutely. Well, you're clearly showing up. You're doing it again. I'm going to keep plugging Emily Blackford, Ordinary Dream Girl. Make sure that you download it. Make sure that you look it up. Um, she's present. She's authentic. She's there. Um, you know, and speaking of being present and authentic and being there, that's a really cool thing. I've never heard somebody say it's offline. That is such it's almost like refreshing. I feel so refreshed talking to you. Um, yeah. that's, it's, it's a good thing to hear. Was there like, when you got there, was there like a dream moment for you? Obviously we talked about your song where, um, which I loved how you said it wasn't necessarily planned, but was there a moment where you're like, oh, you know, this was the dream venue I wanted to get and I got to it, or this was a dream person I wanted to work with. And now I did that. It was specifically a moment I'll never forget. Um, recording at Soundstage, Soundstage. I, I know, I did it too, I'm a yeah. Singer, I can't like say words sometimes, it's crazy. Like, how do you sing if you can't actually talk? I don't know. <laughs> um, I uh, was at Soundstage Studios and I'd always heard that country acts record live. I thought that was like an old school thing. Well, no, the album was recorded with a band in a live room with me singing along. So, you know, there were some vocal re-overdubs obviously for level purposes to get the right take but all the music was done with me live in a room and it was I've never had that experience like literally hearing it like it's on the radio and all the guys playing it that I've never met before perfectly beautifully and these are my masterpieces this is my baby I mean I had trouble like not crying the whole time I was just like you know, and I took videos and it's funny, like a year later, I actually reconnected with some people from that session, you know, like the guitar player, Rob McNelly, who's like, pretty sure he's like country guitar player of the year every year. <laughs> okay. um, 
the engineer Joel and I've just like reconnected with the people from that amazing day and we still talk about it like whoa that was such an amazing day and a year later they actually remember me these are people who work in tons of sessions but there was a special energy in that room that day that I will never forget oh wow that is that is a really cool experience I had no idea it's just like what you talked about you know doing that in a room so I'm learning about the music industry just talking to you so thank you again for sharing that um I, speaking of energy too, it's, you're, you're, you know, you're talking about the band and I kind of love that, you know, they didn't, you guys hadn't even met and everything just kind of came, you know, universally, like, you know, I don't even know, like universal powers, whoever's involved. Like, I think that's really great that it, it just all came together for you. And it's, you know, sometimes those moments are so precious. Uh, what yeah. I love too is, you know, as a singer, you have such a connection with your bandmates and people that you work with. Uh, yeah. For your band specifically, did you pick those people out or were you just kind of, you know, people were like, oh, here's this person, you should talk to this person. How does that normally work for somebody in the music industry? For the for the um, recording sessions or mm -hmm. the live band? Uh, so, for the sessions was yeah. all by Kent Wells, the producer, because he's worked with, he's worked with everybody out here and he put together the best players that you could possibly imagine for the session and uh definitely like check something off the, the bucket list there. So I almost felt like even if nobody hears this album, I was here, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Like so. I made it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it happened. No, it, even it if I'm working at the coffee shop next week, I still made it. I'm here. <laughs> That's the way it is. I mean, Hey, you came all the way from California to Nashville. Good for you. You made it. You're here. Um, now you mentioned too, now for the live band, was that the same way? Was you, did your producer pick out your band there as well? No, I actually went around to clubs my first two weeks in town and I just went to shows and I just found players that I liked or I met people organically. And actually, uh, Nick Sheehan, Nick Sheehan, um, wonderful multi-instrumentalist songwriter, especially he, uh, was doing the Bluebird Cafe we were both artists performing that night. He, I couldn't, I didn't have a car. So I literally was like at the end, like, can anybody drive me home? He's like, I'll drive you. And then we were in his car and I was like, hey, do you play an instrument? He's like, I play bass. And I was like, cool, man. Do you want to be in my band? He's like, sure. <laughs> and then I was a bass player. Um, I phoned a friend out here and then just said, hey, do you know a drummer? He's like, yeah, this guy named Drew Marshall's pretty good. So I gave him a call, put all these guys together like that, went in a room and just, you know, played together. And it was, you know, there you go. One guy I found on Instagram. <laughs> he came <laughs> too. So. <laughs> so, but I kind of like that. I think again, sometimes just yeah. like reaching out or connecting through people. Cause a lot of the entertainment industry is about networking. And then yeah. it's also about like feeling a good vibe as well with somebody too, especially, yeah. uh, you know, when you're writing music and it, it just goes back to the poetry and feeling things and understanding people and having people yeah. want to support your dreams and understanding yeah. you. Um, which asks, leads me to my other question too. For somebody who is an aspiring uh, musician and artist, just like yourself and singer, what would you tell them if they wanted to move to Nashville that maybe you would have wanted to tell yourself moving forward or to anybody who is an aspiring country music artist like yourself? Yeah. Um, be ready to put yourself out there. You know, there's no smoke and mirrors and just be yourself. 
don't worry about what other people are doing. Your biggest competitor is yourself because the only person who can get in your way is you. And um, don't be shy. Like I'm, <laughs> I say that, like, don't be shy, but I'm actually very, very shy when it comes to sometimes going places by myself or just going in a new situation. I'm kind of like cat-like like that. So be ready to be a dog and just, you know, fluff your tail and just go around town and just, even if you have to fake it, just pretend that you are, you know, social, confident, and eventually, like, you will become that, you know. But don't worry about what people think. Just know that if you have something good to sing and good to share, then people want to listen. So, Oh, my gosh. I would have never put you as somebody to be shy at all. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh. She's so talkative. She's so friendly. <laughs> so I shut down. I get overwhelmed. <laughs> and I'm like, I understand. I do too. Like people think yeah. just because you go and do stand up, they're like, oh, you must have the most like confidence. And you're like, yeah, in my performance space. And then I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> Back to, uh, yeah, it's like you, it's like the a lamp. You're like on, off. <laughs> and then you're like, when it's off, it's like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know if anybody's watching on YouTube, uh, Emily just did the kind of lying on and off with her hand and her face. So you'll have to check that out. Um, also check out her song, Ordinary Dream Girl. Uh, the next thing we're going to do uh, before we close out, we're doing a new segment on our podcast called This Is Casually Happening, where we ask our different guests if they had a story they wanted to share, uh, probably maybe in the music industry. You could talk about when you moved to Nashville uh, or just in your present day life, if you were making popcorn and the microwave broke down or something, uh, where you were like, oh, wow, this is casually happening, that that happened to you. <laughs> okay. Um, when I was ooh, 13 years old, I was in the chat room for this oh, band I liked. And there you go. <laughs> I made some friends in in Southern California who actually had mutual friends to me, same age. And we decided, I was like, I'm going to go down there and play my music because I you know, I figured if you go down to Hollywood and play Benny once, you you blow up, right? So <laughs> yeah. I was like, let's get on the radio. So I booked a show at the Whiskey Go-Go, and I had rehearsal with this band. I actually flew out, um, and my mom let me fly out. God bless her. Um, she let me fly out by myself and, like, stay at my friend's a friend's house that we oh really gosh. didn't know that well. Mm -hmm. So I went out there and, you know, very confidently, and... The day of my show, like, none of the band, like, showed up. So I had to, like, I had, like, 10 minutes to put together a set, and it was just me and my guitar and, um, you know, with no band, nothing. And, uh, you know, I, I guess they just flaked out or smoked too much or something. Something sketchy happened, but... I ended up still playing the show and I came up with the whole set last minute and um, the guy, the Whiskey Go-Go filmed it and I remember him saying, someday I'm going to be able to say that, you know, I saw you play and I was sitting there crying, like, my band didn't show up. But uh -huh. um, I think that, you know, I'm in Nashville now and I'm playing by myself out now and it's, it's actually something that people love. So uh, sometimes you get pushed <laughs> with a force into what you're supposed to be doing, whether you like it or not. But, you know, that was a pretty crazy experience. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my yeah. God. 
But I think like you need those whiskey go-go like experiences like that. So that way, when you do have those moments, like you talked about earlier, where you're like, oh, I felt so authentic. I was me. I've worked with, you know, um, my producer with, you know, who worked with Dolly Parton and all these things. Like you never thought at that age that all these amazing things were going to happen to you. And then now you're here and you're talking about you know, these really amazing things in your life. So yeah. if that's an inspiration, it's an inspiration to me. I was like, oh, today's kind of been a rough day here in St. Louis. <laughs> and now I'm like, okay, I can do this. Emily Blackbird yeah. has inspired me. You were an ordinary Hi. dream girl then and now. So <laughs> thank you. Oh, of course. I, I really appreciate your time. Um, before we head out, why don't you tell us again about ordinary dream girl and where we should look up the song? Yes. Ordinary dream girl is is all over apple music spotify you just have to literally you can just google ordinary dream girl emily blackbird um and the link should come down instagram at emily blackbird music um pretty much most of my links are emily blackbird music you can go to emilyblackbird.com as well if you just want to find everything it's all going to be redirected at emilyblackbird.com but i'm very active on instagram Yes. And we've got her handle for, again, who are following on YouTube at Emily Blackbird Music. Look her up. She's very talented. And I'm not just saying that because she's in the other window on the screen. So it's You can tell what you really think. Exactly. She's really weird. <laughs> and I will write that in the comments. I'll be like, under all of your social media, be like, it's weird, but it's great. No. I, I, trust me. I would not have you on if I didn't like you. You're awesome. Um, again, everybody please casually subscribe to the casually molly podcast at the casually molly podcast get us on instagram um, you can also follow me at molly ambergy and um, we have a lot of exciting things and interviews coming up um, including this lovely one with emily blackbird make sure that you share with your friends uh, before we actually play your song uh, ordinary dream girl i'm just going to keep repeating it until everybody clicks on it and likes it uh, i always ask my guests what are you going to casually do now now that our interview has ended i'm going to casually make dinner and pet my cat who i just took to the vet today oh what kind of cat do you have she's um a russian blue so she looks like a big gray panther she's huge oh my gosh yeah. okay no big yeah. deal <laughs> <laughs> oh, Emily, I appreciate your time. I'll let you spend some time with your cat and go eat. And for everybody who has been listening and watching, thank you. And you're casually about to hear Ordinary Dream Girl by Emily Blackbird.
Get rough, we come out tough beyond the hollow crowd. I'm never-